Hello, people. Here's your weekly reminder that if you enjoy Podcasts Are Wonderful, please consider donating on Patreon. Just go to donate2pod.win to see our subscription tiers. $5 or more gets you access to all of the premium episodes. Podcast for Wonderful, episode 137. My name is Greggy Hochstetler, and this week my guest and I are going to be talking about the Joe Rogan Experience, number 911, featuring Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, and Eddie Bravo. But before we get to that, we got to talk to my guest, baby. Uh, you know, I'm always saying blue lives matter, right? <laughs> That's my number one thing on this podcast. And uh, so I-, I thought it was only fitting that I bring in this man. He's a uh, my notes say he's uh, a police captain. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Sting. Hello, people. I am uh, actually not a an official police captain, but I am the captain of the police. Oh, right. So, wait, but you're a policeman, right? Uh, in a sense, I mean, I do um, protect the uh, the the spiritual beliefs of of a lot of people like the police protect uh, all of the innocent citizens in our, uh, in our country. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm, I'm a musician mostly. Oh, okay. And your band is called the police. Yes. The, the police. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I got mixed up here. Um, I was supposed to have a police captain this week, but I got my emails mixed up and instead I had sting from the police on, I mean, are you still in that band? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, we don't tour currently, and uh, Stuart Copeland and I do not get along on any level. So, uh, I would say that the band is not together, but we never officially broke up. And we did tour briefly in like 2007 or something like that. It's hard to remember. I see. And Stuart Copeland, he's what, like a lieutenant? Yeah, he would be um, lieutenant captain in the police and also the uh, percussionist. Oh, okay. Uh, what what instrument did you play in the band? Oh, well, I play so many instruments. I think it's hard to list them all. I would say that uh, as, as captain of the police, my main job was uh, laying down funky bass lines. Ooh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Super, super cool. I play a really, really beat up Fender jazz bass <laughs> most of the time. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have like solo music as well? I'm sorry, I'm uh, my notes are so messed up because I thought I was having that police captain on. So I, I apologize that I don't seem like a bigger fan. Oh no, it's totally fine. Um, I do also have an extensive solo career um, full of terrible world music that. Um, <laughs> only the whitest of people like but uh it's out there if you want it and there's a lot of it way more than you would think there is so have at it people but um it's okay people get me confused with the police all the time not my band that i'm the captain of the the police but Mm -hmm. also the police like blue lives matter and then additionally 
I'm also often confused with uh, Sting, the wrestler. Oh, right. Because, you know, know, sometimes people just have the same nicknames, and it's very confusing when they don't do the exact same thing. Hmm. Have you ever done any wrestling? I mean, Stuart and I used to wrestle backstage, but that was mostly from, like, frustration and just our kind of uh, general hatred of each other. I don't know. Neither neither of us have wrestled professionally. I see. You ever do any wrestling between the sheets, if you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I've done quite a bit of wrestling between the sheets for... um, for years and years and years, and uh, some oh. would say maybe too long, uh, I've oh. been wrestling between sheets. For a second, before you said years, I thought you were going to say for charity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I do wrestle between the sheets for charity, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point that's been co-opted by some sort of charity. I do a lot of charity work, and um, it's hard for me to keep track of all of the things I've given money to. Uh-huh. So That would be I'm kind sure. of a great fundraiser i think you'd yeah, make I, a lot of money that way it would yeah i think the way i would like to structure it would be like one of those contests where you just dance for as long as you can or kiss for as long <laughs> as you can and then the last people standing kind of win some sort of prize and the prize money goes to charity but instead it would just be like uh wrestling between the sheets for as long as you possibly can and then the last people still wrestling uh win now when, just to make sure we're on the same page we're, we're talking about fucking, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. Oh, okay, cool. Way, way into tantric sex. So you like to do that for a long time? Um, hours and hours and hours. Um, it's kind of... Um, kind of my main thing. Even above the music? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say that that's probably like... My my main defining characteristic outside of being a uh, famous musician is that I'm like deep into having seven hour sex sessions and stuff like that. Oh yeah, me too, me too, dude, totally. Um, but <laughs> like, does that make your dick hurt? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you gotta. So the thing about tantric sex that is often not talked about because people think it's all just like, oh yeah, you just like make love to someone you care about for like a really long time and it's like this spiritual thing where you connect on a really deep level. But really you have to like, like if you're going to fuck for seven hours, you got to spend a couple of hours just prepping for it. I mean, you got to put down like tarps and there's um there's a lot of lubricant involved and then you also got to set up like water bottles it's better if you can just bring a cooler that already has ice in it like the way that most people prepare for like a barbecue is kind of what i do um every time that we have sex and you also can't have sex like more than twice a week because your genitals become so very raw yeah but, um, uh and how would you set the time I, apart for it you never yeah, be able to get really anything hard. else done yeah, I know. You, with the stress of kids and job, and then it's like you got errands to run, you got bills to pay. You can't just always like uh, break off seven hours to the get get up in them guts, dog. <laughs> and of course, I know because I'm also super into this. But like, uh, you you have to plan out bra- bathroom breaks, or how does that work? You want to go? It's <clears throat> so it's similar to the way that like. Uh, professional athletes do this where like um you want to go way before like 
you definitely don't want to have tantric sex in the morning because that's when a lot of people like to have their bowel movements and that's not going to be good for a seven hour uh sesh um yeah that uh, is not welcome in the bedroom um in my personal experience maybe some folks are into that but um i've in every time that that's ever happened i've been um admonished severely for it yeah most most people will be less less than enthusiastic if if that's popping off during your uh, tantric sesh but um i would say that you want to you want to go ahead and and pee as much as you can beforehand and then if you need to you can have one of those like um one of those kind of bladders that you can just pee into so that you don't actually have to leave and that way you're really only taking a break for as long as it takes you to actually pee and uh during that time since you're not having like direct intercourse you're still doing lots of touching and masturbating like just looking at each other and peeing and touching each other and peeing and uh you know that way you keep everybody keeps it up because that's what breaks the tantric cycle is you're not allowed to uh get soft or dry you got to stay wet and hard the whole time for it to be tantric is there like a ref there just keeping an eye on things making sure you're keeping the sex going the whole time you don't have to, but we like to because we're um, we're just kind of sticklers for the rules. You know what I mean? We like to do things officially. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like just taking care of your paperwork. You know what I mean? You want to make sure that it's official. Definitely. Do you ever think about going for like a Guinness Book of World Records or something? Uh, I have thought about it, and I don't know what the record is, so I don't know exactly what I'm shooting to beat. So uh-huh. right now we're just kind of trying to beat our own records because we're very, you know, like just driven people and we really, um, we just want to make sure that we're doing the best we can. Now, if we had a, a goal, then I think that's something we could train for extensively and um, easily defeat it. But uh, again, I think it'd probably be best to do that in like a charity context where there was cameras and a lot of other people involved. Do you ever include this in your music? Um, in some of my solo terrible world music, there's um, some stuff about that, but I would say in general in the police albums, those are much more um, just kind of straightforward like pop yeah. records. So we don't we don't do a lot of um, tantric fucking. We don't get we don't get into that too much. The other um, Stewart, like I said, just kind of. Uh, I mean, I wrote hundreds of songs about tantric sex. Don't get me wrong. I brought them to the table and into the studio, and Stuart was always uh, pretty unenthused about it. He, he was not a, a fan of a lot of my um, my writing. So That's he tough. didn't. As it, yeah, lieutenant captains have just enough authority to kind of like squash good ideas, even if they're at the top. So we kind of we had to make peace. So what are your, some of your biggest songs? For people out there that messed their notes up and they didn't know they were talking to a musician tonight? Um, let's see. Probably uh, Roxanne oh, would yeah. be one of the famous ones or Message in a Bottle or uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me or maybe D-Do-Do-Do-Di-Da-Da, uh, which is actually the name of a real song that we put out as a single and was very popular. How does that um, one go? Uh, it's that's literally the words to it. Do 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 de da da da. Is all I want to say to you. Uh, oh. That's the, it's pretty good. I wrote it myself, and that was one that Stuart said yes to, but none of the tantric sex songs. So 
Hope hope you're happy, Stuart Copeland. Do you think um, he was just jealous? On some level, yeah. Um, I mean, if you can only fuck for like an hour at a time, and you have to like your superior officer is like just laying down funky bass lines all the time, then I, I you know, you can get pretty jealous. Yeah. Um, but uh, he uh, he's pretty good at writing some songs himself so i don't i don't know if it's necessarily that so much as he was just doing it despite me because he's also like i said we kind of hate each other in a very visceral way but um i would say maybe the the most famous song we had as uh, the police was every breath you take which had a very sexy video oh yeah that one it's a song about um, kind of stalking someone or having a relationship that's very possessive and strange and kind of unhealthy. What is the band? <laughs> I, I always have mixed your band up with another band in my brain. And <laughs> what is the one that has that song, Su Studio? Su Studio. Um, that word. would have been Phil. Uh, I mean, that's Phil Collins. Uh-huh. Um, oh, who okay. I did perform with, but oh, um, okay. I don't think I was on that track. I would uh, have to uh, look at my notes. I've kind of forgotten because Phil Collins is so irrelevant to me. But, oh, right, um, right, right, I don't right. remember. But uh, I hung out with. Yeah, I mean, I used to hang out with Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins and mm. uh, the Knopfler Brothers from Dire Straits, and then um, occasionally I would hang out with Eric Clapton. But he was a train wreck, so we didn't hang out that much. Uh, Studio, yes, that is definitely a Phil Collins song. I uh, I can see how you would. <laughs> get me confused with him but uh, also Phil Collins can't fuck for seven hours let's be clear oh is that something you've talked about with him like what's his record oh I think he's like a, a 10 to 15 minutes at most kind of guy oh yeah um, yeah he's he never really focused as much on uh, his his intimate life so much as his art because he was real into like uh, he was real into like art pop music and doing things that uh, he thought had like a lot of significance and meaning for uh the world even though he was just kind of like me like just kind of a middle class english white guy he uh is real into charity and art and stuff like that because he's very uh, he sees himself as a very cultured man but with you know the real culture comes from uh spiritually harnessing your abilities and using them to to fuck someone for uh at least six or seven hours is that like a magic thing? Are you like building up chakras or something to do some kind of a magic spell? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say it's a magic spell because that kind of takes away uh, from how much effort I put into it. I want as much of the credit for it as possible. But it is um, about uh, you know aligning your energies through a lot of um, meditation and, and metaphysical stones and being able to um, kind of build your power level, so to speak, by uh, never masturbating or touching yourself and then just releasing it all uh, at one time over an extended period. And uh, the way the real secret, the, the magic trick is that, you know, you never uh, you never let your partner climax and then you never climax. So that's how you keep fucking for seven hours that you're never oh, wow. coming until the very end and then even sometimes then you're so tired and sweaty and exhausted that you just kind of have to call it you know you just kind of 
slap your hands together and say, well, we did our best. And then you stop the stopwatch and you go take a shower separately. So you're kind of like one of those Reddit no-fap guys, huh? Uh, yeah, I think that um, what they're doing over there in that community is really powerful stuff. And I think it's... <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's good for the world. It's almost as powerful and as meaningful as like some of the live aid stuff that I've done for charity <laughs> and um, human rights activism. I think NoFap is is right <laughs> alongside them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Why, why can't the woman come during it though? Because like it seems like that would be fine. Like, uh. Well. That's just it's it's all about equi- you know like equitable lovemaking and tantric sex so uh-huh. uh, it's just not fair if I don't get to come <laughs> you don't get to come sort of thing and uh-huh. that's it's not it's definitely not like a weird misogynist thing it's just like an agreed upon rule that we have so anytime that one of you gets close that's when like okay well now it's time to take a pee break or whatever right yeah. so like you you pull out or she gets off or whatever and then it's like okay uh somebody does their business and you kind of cool back down and then you get back into it but yeah do you, have, you, know, do you ever nobody... have to like shake your finger in her face like uh 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 oh yeah sometimes i just have to be like i'm gonna stop if you <laughs> keep going <laughs> you're you're enjoying this too much mm. far too much yeah and uh to which you know normally she replies because she's she's very cheeky my wife and she's just like believe me i'm not enjoying this and uh <laughs> and then we have a good laugh and we keep going because that's normally a couple of hours in when um you've you start to get tired initially and you're like oh i don't know if we're gonna you know, is this worth it? We could also just watch a movie and go to dinner and act like normal humans. But then you power through and you get your second wind and it's like, yeah, here we go. We're doing this thing and this is what we're known for and it's uh, really good for us. Yeah, you and could watch like three movies. <laughs> you could. Uh, <laughs> that's also cheating. Much like anyone being able to climax, putting on a movie in the background and kind <laughs> of uh, looking over your wife's shoulder <laughs> while, you're, uh, while you're having dandruff sex. It's also kind of kind of cheating oh wow uh... <laughs> there's a lot of rules that you don't think about do you play when, music uh... during it or is that also not allowed um you you are allowed to but it's not like um it's not like good music it's not even re- it's like that like soundscape stuff mm-hmm. like just terrible more like terrible world music but not my own so it'd be more <laughs> like um like inya where it's just like fucking weird soundscapes and electronic music. Oh yeah, like music, pure like moods. A, you put that on. Yeah, yes, exactly. Where it's like, it's just enough to like give you something in the background, but it's not it's like so nondescript that you can't focus on it even if you try. It's like every time you try to think about it, there's nothing there, but as soon as you kind of don't pay attention to it, you notice there's something in the background. How about that Indian guy doing those chants on that? That was weird. It was like, it made me feel weird to listen to that. Like, <laughs> Like, it's okay, I'm sure. Like, he's getting paid and everything, but I don't know. It felt... It has this exploitive? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it, it kind of seems like maybe he wasn't fully compensated somehow for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just an idea I got from just listening to this thing. I don't disagree. I think that's... Um, I think you could... You're probably right. I mean, if I had to guess, the people who made that album and sold it on infomercials and stuff like that, I can't imagine that they're like... Um, gracious with their uh, music rights and royalties mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the other crazy compilations that were out those on those days but that Pure Moods that was like the number one the Orinoco Flow 
there's there's definitely more than one volume of pure moods. Oh, yeah. Like that's the thing about pure moods is that the first one sold well enough that there was like several other ones. Um, <clears throat> the first one though, that's maybe one of the most important <laughs> compilations of my my youth. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I also. Uh, spent a lot of time in the 90s watching like late night TV where there at any point you could just be assaulted with all of these like weird um, compilation albums <clears throat> and so um, yeah so like like I said the, the Inya and the Pure Moods are definitely two that will are kind of burned into the back of my brain in a way that I'll never be able to forget but mm-hmm. um I think I would have to dig it. It was released by Virgin Records. I know that, so um, I would have to dig in to find uh, which. Because um, there was like, so th- there were more than one volume of pure moods, but then there was also like Celtic moods. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like Christmas moods, even. <laughs> so there's there's like i mean this whoever decided to do these compilations had to have made a shitload of money because that's when you could still make money off of cds um yeah in the late 90s but uh yeah it's kind of like uh kind of like like air buds or something where they just (laughs) they just uh you know uh, expand out to all kinds of different genres and stuff yeah, it's just any sort of theme that you can think of that you can attach to, like, shitty New Age world music that's very, very nondescript, um, it exists. So I'm mm-hmm. sure there's, like, Spanish moods and fucking <laughs> uh, probably, like, South American moods or something like that. There's no telling what how deep it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, pure moods. So, so was that a, was that a, uh inspiration to you and your music? <clears throat> well, I was doing it way before uh, pure Oh, moods, sorry, sorry, so. sorry. Uh, I think, if anything, some of these artists borrowed from my uh, Terrible World music. But um, I think, I mean, my first solo album came out in the late 80s. Uh, and it was very well received, despite being, um, like I said, kind of nondescript and almost vaporous in the sense that when you try to pay attention to it, it's almost like there's nothing there. But Oh um, my God, it, Sting, it, you're so hard on yourself. Um, I'm known for being very critical. It's true. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, the Dream of Blue Turtles was my first album. So, um, if you ever really just want to like uh, know what it's like to to have tantric sex without any of the like commitment to it, you can kind of just put on that music and imagine making love for seven hours because that's how long that album feels like it is, even though it's really only like an hour long. Um, <laughs> And it'll give you a good idea of what Dandrick Sex is like because yeah. it's just kind of time time bending and surreal. Speaking of music from uh, my youth, Blue Turtling or whatever your thing is called. How about that lady Blue Cantrell? She only ever had one song, you know. <laughs> are we are we sure that she only ever had one song? I only I only remember Hit 'Em Up Style, which is an amazing um, song. That's that's wonderful. And then. I'm sorry. I've had a, a couple of drinks here, and uh, I'm kind of, uh, uh, you know, just spitballing here. But I remember the only thing I remember about Blue Cantrell is that she is like super pretty. Yeah, um, yeah. She's like a babe. Yeah, like like 
like mega babe status and uh-huh. then that one like you said that one song although i'm, sh- I'm almost certain that she had well, a whole album. yeah I, I would assume <laughs> there was the entire album there may have even been like a second single that i just didn't catch but uh yeah that was the big one she kind of uh, hit him up style parentheses oops exclamation point, oh right right <laughs> what was this guy thinking i mean she's such a babe cheating on her yeah really uh hard to imagine mm-hmm. that was also man that was such a weird time though yeah uh for like r&b music because that was like that was the same time when jaw rule was really popular for some <laughs> reason and like r kelly was basically married to a child uh Aaliyah, r.i.p rip and um yeah i mean just very strange yeah uh, everything that was going on in the R&B world circa 2000 to 2003. Speaking of which, uh, just continuing my free association here, there was this Faith Evans video. I don't even remember what the song is, but it, she's roller skating in it. And, uh, yeah, talk about another babe. Wow. Yeah, that would have been... Um, I know the video you're talking about. <laughs> um, there's like, it's like in a, it, it's almost like a skating rink looking yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Not like skating down the street. She's like in a club or something. Right, yeah. Uh, ah, love like this. That's there the we one. go. Perfect. Yes. That's why I love having uh, you on Sting. You know every song. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you get when, that's what Sting brings to the table, baby. <laughs> uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, random R&B singles from the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, sorry Bruce it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> all good <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so um, you ever think about getting the band back together I mean you never officially broke up but maybe you want to make another uh, every breath you take type of thing maybe another stalker song I mean I'm never opposed to it. I think it's mostly that, um, I mean, so the, the thing is, like I said, uh, the, the Stuart and I don't get along like to the point that we would literally fist fight and and do some wrestling backstage and things like that. Uh, (laughs) so to, for us to be near each other, even in the same room, uh, whether or not we're playing music or even talking to each other for more than like an hour is just asking for a fist fight. And then, uh, Andy, the guitar player is, um, I think maybe sober now, but I'm pretty sure he is lying and he's actually still a horrible alcoholic, but oh, um, no. he was kind of just there and dealing with both of our personalities. So uh, I don't blame him for digging himself into a giant uh, hole drinking, but um, so I've never been opposed to, to touring and making money, but I think both of them think that maybe uh, spending any significant amount of time around me is not worth their health or their uh, psychological well-being. Um, however, we did, we did get back together for a, a world tour in 2007 or 2008, and uh, it seemed to be okay. I mean, I think maybe it's just that um, we all have such low T now that we're <laughs> not as aggressive as we used to be, but um, I think that tour went pretty well. I would have to... Uh, read about what the other members had to say after the tour but um from what i could tell it it went pretty well and i know that there were um many people in the u.s who saw the tour and, and thought it was fine and, and were not mad that they that they saw the police even though um 
we were all much older. Okay. Maybe you could do like an odd couple and just put a, like a, a line of tape across the stage and you'd stay to your own side. Yeah, well, see, that's the problem with Stuart is that he doesn't move, but I like to run around the <laughs> stage a lot. And he has um, – he's one of those uh, assholes who has like 30 drums in his drum kit. So like uh, – and also like an incredible amount of cymbals. I mean you, you'll be hard-pressed to find a man who has more cymbals than Stuart Copeland, I think. Um, but uh, – Challenge yeah, accepted, like buddy. Good best of luck to you. Um, Thank you. But I like to run around on stage a lot, so maybe if we put a cage around him or like put him in one of those things like Tommy Lee used to have, where he was suspended above the stage, and I could just run underneath him while he like spun around upside down and played drums. Um, maybe that would work out better, and maybe he would be uh, so tired after the show that we wouldn't get into giant fights. Okay, sounds like a good plan. I mean, I think it's a good idea. I'm a huge fan, as I've said over and over in this. So I'd love to hear this. Uh, but how about um, <laughs> how about we take a quick break and we come back and we talk about this insane podcast we listen to? Oh, God, yes. Okay. <laughs> Please. Let's just, let me give the big picture. Please. The elite admit that they are studying humanity like they're a breakaway civilization. They believe they're taking the best ideas of humanity and building a breakaway civilization of technocracy so they can transcend us. And I want the public to know the decision has been made to dumb you down, balkanize you, turn you against yourselves, have regional wars, play people off against each other, and then basically release vile levels that wipe out most of the population. Okay. While the elite can I, transcend it. You know, can to I the pause level. this right here? Who are the elite? Like when you say the elite, who are these people, and how, how do they get together? Are they the how do, hold on a second. How do they all agree? Who votes? Who, how do they decide? Okay, a bunch of powerful, tight bay super billionaire characters who like running shit. So how do they get together and all agree on the well, same thing? Well, they decide on agendas that will empower their individual agendas, and are pretty much let into those power structures early on. So how do they because meet? Because they are okay. Bilderberg Group. Is that the Bilderberg Group? Club of Rome. Bilderberg Group. What's the Club of Rome? Davos. Uh, Club of Rome is a population reduction group. I mean, if you can go to Infowars.com right now, there's an article and a video I cut about Oprah Winfrey, who I'm not saying is a bad person, where she's part of a secret eugenics group. Hold on a second. Call, Stop right there. For you said I'm not saying she's a bad person, but she's part of a secret eugenics group. <laughs> so what would you do if, like, almost half the time you went to eat in a grocery store, sometimes I'm going to slap you in the back of You're telling me that happens to you, right? Well, I wonder where... It's like they're interdimensionally connected. Like, why is it always, boo, you're a loser, slap you in the face in the back of the head? It's like, how are they so good? It's not. Because they don't think it's going to That was the greatest thing you've ever said right there. No, I'm sure Wait, it's just that. That. You just invited the door for people going, boo, you're a loser, and then trying to slap you in the back of the head. It's going to happen now. No, no, you started a meme. Happening. You started a human meme. No, no, no. I don't even care. The point is, how are they so sick? So this week, Sting and I listened to the Joe, Re the Joe Rogan Experience, episode 911. Uh, featuring Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, and Eddie Bravo. And the Joe Rogan Experience is a show where Joe Rogan has guests on, and they talk about stuff. He's a big MMA guy. He likes to talk about all that stuff. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I will edit that out. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> the sad thing is I've only had two beers, but I'm such a lightweight. It's like... Uh, you're, you're wasted, Greg. <laughs> But anyway, I, I, I apologize to all my Patreon listeners out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he just kind of has like anyone that'll come on. When I looked at the uh, his recent guest list, and it's like YouTubers and people with books to promote, and just all kinds of folks. But he does a lot of episodes. So uh, like when I tried to open his uh, 
this episode, I had to listen to it on my computer because when I tried to get it on my podcast app, it kept crashing the podcast app because there's, oh, there's like, uh, you know, 1100 episodes. Uh, yeah. So first of all, like what experience do you have with Alex Jones sting? Um, I would say that I'm fairly experienced and that I know who he is and I've heard a lot of his ideas before listening to this podcast. Um, and I think it's very appropriately number nine eleven because much like nine eleven, you can never forget having listened to, uh, four hours of this. <laughs> so, uh, you'll never get that time back. Oh, and, um, you know, if you're not familiar with Alex Jones, then you will be by the end of this because it is, um, an exhaustive dive into his uh beliefs which are uh wide and and varying um but always insane and um i would say that i'm to answer your question i'm I'm pretty familiar but not i would say like very involved or um i don't keep up with him all the time yeah exactly a a lunatic yeah like not really a fan but i've seen like several of uh his videos online i've never actually watched an entire Infowars episode uh oh, but boy. i i have listened to this twice and uh i've seen some of his videos online and stuff um yeah and he's 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 out there uh but yeah he's a- he's also very compelling to listen to i think on this episode until he, he starts getting like so wild but i mean that even is entertaining because it's it's fun listening to a crazy person be crazy yeah, I would say that this again. If you're not familiar with Alex Jones, the first thing you should do is go uh, just Google image search him and and lay some peepers on this because mm-hmm. you got a lot of you got a lot to dig into. Um, and just scroll down until you get to the picture where he's got his shirt off and he's eating a, a steak. That's the one you want to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's, his he's his mouth pretty... is all messy like a like a toddler. <laughs> he's he's um. He's like a very round man in a lot of ways. Like his whole, like his head is round, his body's kind of round. He looks like the kind of guy who worked out a lot in high school, but then totally quit right after high school. And so he's just kind of got this like um, barrel-shaped physique. And there, um, he he likes to uh, his idea of having fun. I think is like getting drunk and taking his shirt off like that's one of his favorite things to do i think besides just yelling and getting angry um a lot so uh the and because info wars is like a video feed thing that he does besides it being kind of like a a radio show there is a video component to it so there's a lot of images if you want to spend two hours checking out um how weird of a guy he is you can do it just with images you don't ever have to listen to him although i will (laughs) agree with Greggy here that you're missing out if you're not going to listen to um, how uh, how distinct and weird his voice is in addition to the way that he pronounces certain words. So um, get get on that internet and check him out, man. He's a he's a wild dude. Yeah, but I mean, taking his shirt off that's like halfway to where what the stuff you like to do. So it's not that big of a difference. <laughs> it's true. I mean, he's more into I think tantric yelling than tantric <laughs> sex. But um, I feel like it's, it comes from the same place. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a deeply spiritual thing for him. <laughs> and he, he was the big guy behind the whole Pizzagate thing. Like, he tried to distance himself from it kind of in this episode. But also, he, like, uh, he, he, he said that, uh, like, uh, 
Megyn Kelly and people tried to put Pizzagate on him while also like not saying that any of it was wrong or uh <laughs> yeah i mean he was he was he was doing a pretty good job of taking credit for it and also saying that it was the um, national media news uh, their fault and not um the fact that his website that he has like um unilateral control over is the was also like promulgating all this information about what was going on and what do you think about so, it do you think it's real <laughs> Uh, on what level do I think that Infowars did that? Yes. Do I think that Pizzagate like is the conspiracy that he laid out? Um, in a word, no. <laughs> I mean, I think that it, to think of, so there are some things that he said that I think are true, right? Like that's the thing about Alex Jones that is compelling is that in buried under all of his uh, screaming and weird. Um, uh, beliefs are, are things that actually are true, but uh, for cons- conspiracy theories, all kind of have this same thing in common, which is like at a certain level, um, it's easier to believe that like all this complicated shit is being run by like hyper competent, like people who are in control with like a lot of influence and power and money and stuff, instead of believing that like this, all this complicated shit that's going on is run by mostly like fallible and competent dummies who are, have just failed upwards into this, these positions of power and influence and that um, now they're making decisions mostly just to try to keep their power instead of to try to like rule the world or like um, <laughs> like uh, execute these like weird plans for like child pornography rings and using like a terrible code about like walnuts and pizza and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean I think it's easier on some level to believe that these people are smart and know what they're doing as opposed to like, they're just idiots with too much power and money and influence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like every conspiracy you have to put like so much, you, you have to assume that the, the person behind it is so smart and so like able to see everything that it, it it just falls apart when you, you know, like you, you remember that 90% of everyone is, you know, an idiot and so are you. Yeah, it's like, you you know how sometimes you just fall down when you're trying to put your socks on? Like, that's everybody. So to believe that that is true and also that um, this the Pizzagate thing has been going on for years and it's like a 15-year conspiracy and child sex ring and stuff like that, it's like it's kind of hard for me to fit both of those things in my head at the same time. Um, it is weird how, like, almost nobody out there is a pedophile, right? But somehow all pedophiles know... What they've got to do is become politicians. Yeah, it's a very like a very strange coincidence that it's like such a small like um, hated um, portion of our population, and yet somehow disproportionately like every every person who is into child pornography and is like a an active pedophile, like actually committing pedophilia and, and hurting children and shit like that, somehow are also like uh, senators and. Uh, <laughs> in really high positions of power in the government and have like tons of money and all that other stuff. It's like, you would think that having this, uh, like super, uh, like twisted, um, fetish and worldview would make it hard for you to function in normal society. But no, it actually means that it's easier for you to get, um, rich and be able to do all the horrible shit you want. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just like part of being really rich. Like- <laughs> You, after you get a certain amount of money, like you start looking at kids in a weird way. 
Yeah, once you once you become a billionaire, people just start sending you stuff in the mail that's like, you ever wanted to fuck up like a fourteen year old <laughs> boy? Because we can we can make that happen. Yes. There's uh, a, a billionaires club for that. <laughs> But I guess on the other hand, the, the whole Catholic priest thing. But then I guess like that is kind of a, I don't know, it kind of selects for people that like have weird issues with sex when, you know, you're you're joining up with this thing where ostensibly you're not going to have sex for like the rest of your life or whatever. Right. That's like, so that's the thing where like, again, like some of the stuff he says is true. So like when you, you can't, you know, like that is 100% like that's true. And like the stuff about Podesta and all that other kind of stuff, like that's, that is true and proven. So you can't, you know, you can't discredit that when he says all that stuff, but then he starts making insane leaps with like all the like emails about this fucking, this fucking pizza place. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's weird, but I do think that the, the Catholic thing is kind of different because like you said, it, it, um, we're talking about an institution that has been um, around for, you know, thousands of years and who has been, like, oppressing people and um, consolidating power and money in a really specific way for a very long time. So, yeah, when you do get high up into that, you really are in some secret order shit because they um, – like, their, their culture is uh, – a lot of it is shrouded in secrecy and yeah, they do. They're definitely selecting for like guys who have weird, super weird beliefs and super weird commitment to their weird beliefs because they're, they're signing up for the rest of their life, like devoting themselves to this thing that, um, like I said, is kind of about, uh, controlling people through, you know, religious beliefs. So it's, I think that's a different thing than just accusing wi widely accusing every politician basically in power of being a pedophile. Yeah. And it's funny how like every time he makes a good point, he like immediately follows it up with like a bad shit, crazy conspiracy. <laughs> like, like he'll, yeah. he'll bring up like uh, the Catholic church, like, you know, 20 years ago, nobody would have known anything about the Catholic church, but now it's all blown up just recently. And you know, there's pedophiles all throughout it. And uh, the new pope uh, blackmailed the old pope, and that's why he had to step down. It's like, wait a second, what? The what? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a coincidence that the other pope was like super old and fucking senile and like uh, basically dying, and uh, just happened to be around the time that he got blackmailed. I guess you know that's one of those things that mm -hmm. you just can't, uh, you know, you can't decide when that happens. But yeah, I, it's all that shit. I mean, the same thing with. Um, I mean, later when he was, I'm trying to think of when he was like, maybe it was off of one of his tangents with like the chemtrails thing where he was, he started, he like went from a government program that actually does exist to like try and figure out weather patterns and like control them. Like where he was talking about Bill Gates uh, having this technology to try to pull cold water up to like depower or to take energy out of hurricanes so that they cause less damage when they hit land. Uh, like that's real, and then he jumps to like um, interdimensional travel through <laughs> folded space time, and how um, how the like the holograms and the computers are um, get be the things that are giving information to the globalists so that they can uh, control everybody and um, make us one with technology mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's just kind of like 
one tangent after the other, and uh, yeah, like you said, every time he makes a one, every time he makes a point that seems rational, he follows it up with the most insane thing that you could say as an adult human. Well, the thing about the globalists, though, I don't know if you got this. They like hate humanity. They think humanity is <laughs> really bad. They want to, um, you know, become like computer programs or something. I don't know. I, I forget that part. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty involved. I mean, you got to be willing to go twelve steps past anything that would make sense to get to the the root of what he thinks is going on there. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Well, because they're Satanists, that's the thing. Yes, true. They he he believes all of this stuff, and then somehow also believes uh, in God and Satan. And he likes to use the word patriot a lot in a weird way. That's not really, I don't think, what patriot means. But um. Well, the thing about are his favorites. The thing about Alex Jones is, though, he's a real liberal. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. People try to say he's he's a far right guy, but he's actually a, a real, real liberal. He didn't like George W. Bush. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> that is how you know that someone's actually liberal is that they didn't like George Bush, um, the, a president who, um, up until uh, Donald Trump, had the absolute lowest approval rating of anyone who'd ever held that high uh, of office in our country. <laughs> So, you know, that's there a lot of us were liberals by that standard um for the last 15 years. It does kind of make sense like he he thinks those guys are all, you know, part of the like the secret I don't know, Illuminati or something whatever. Like I I'm getting this wrong and if you're listening to this only because you're seeing that we're covering this episode and we're talking about Alex Jones, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not as, as smart as knowledgeable about Alex Jones as you are, but uh, it, it, it's interesting. Like he likes the outsider guys. Like he was saying, he he was hoping that uh Barack Obama was the real deal, but then he turned out to just be a politician. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it like it's it's all internally consistent, and I think that's another reason why people can like uh, latch onto this and uh, enjoy it because it all makes sense. You know, it, it, everything builds on itself. Yeah, he. I mean, he's not. His rhetoric and his ability to convey ideas is not bad. I mean, that's one thing that I will just like fully give him credit for is that he's not. Um, I mean, he he seems insane, but um, he is able to when when kind of um, I don't want to say like hampered, but when Joe Rogan is like hold down, like hold on, slow down, like when 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 somebody is like making him explain himself piece by piece instead of just letting him rant for fifteen minutes at a time. Um, he is able to connect these ideas in a way that doesn't seem irrational totally, um, but you have to believe the ideas that he's conveying, right, which exactly. is, uh, like I said, it's like one one normal thing, one thing that makes sense, uh, and then like 12 crazy, crazy, crazy things. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, his, his internal logic is, is not bad. Yeah, you have, to, you have to buy in at some point. Like, okay, so I give you that this is true. And then he goes, well, if that's true, then this is true, and then this is true, and then this is true. So, so long as you, you know, as you buy in somewhere, it, it becomes easier and easier to let this snowball and, you know, suddenly you're putting a tinfoil hat on like he does on a YouTube video I saw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, at some point, you just have to, like, fully embrace, like, all of it because that is what his internal logic leads to is that it is all connected. And he's pretty good at trying to connect all those things. But I think it's it's also strange for him to 
uh, it's the big enchilada, as he says a hundred different times in this uh, <laughs> very long podcast. But uh, it, 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 at some point, you don't get to say like, okay, well maybe chemtrails are real, but then you don't get to believe the rest of it, or you think like, okay, the moon landing stuff was weird, and there's like stuff with extraterrestrial technology or whatever. You don't get to just pick one piece of it because the way that he strings it all together is that. You know, okay, well, if you believe that, then you have to believe that the globalists are, like, in control of everything and that uh, they hate you and that, like, vaccinations and chemtrails and alien technology and all this stuff is actually the same thing being run by the same people. And then um, this is what all this is what it was coming to in this podcast, and I think maybe the most interesting thing about it was that he, his whole thesis on this podcast was that Donald Trump was going to stop it. Right. Like that was mm. what his whole buildup was that like Donald Trump is a true patriot. And so um, him him getting in, in power is uh, a sign that all this stuff is coming to an end. And I think maybe the most interesting thing I would I'm almost tempted to like go figure out like what he's saying currently about Trump. But uh, right. I don't think I can, I don't think I can stand it. Um, yeah, because this came out in February and he he was very high on uh, President Trump at that point. But it doesn't seem like a lot of the stuff he was saying really seems to be happening. I don't know. Maybe he needs more time or something, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. I I think maybe he was just wrong again the way that he was about Y2K or (laughs) Obama or whatever, right? Because he he also admits that he's been wrong before, which is another thing that a lot of conspiracy theorists are not going to give you. Um, And another thing that kind of... um, yeah, he's got a lot of like excuses and ways to explain that away, but he does say, you know, fair point. I was wrong on that one, so good on you, Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, a little, a tiny bit of humility, but um, yeah, you know, this he starts off like, I mean, this is like, because he's he's pretty much a hundred miles an hour as soon as the podcast turns on, but um, you know, one of the first things he talks about is how Trump is going to come in and um. He's not going to deal with China. He's not going to deal with the Saudis. He's not going to deal with the Israelis and all this other stuff and how he's like going to tear down all these power structures. And that's why everybody is afraid of him and mad at him. And that's why the Republicans don't like him and all this other kind of shit. And I think that if you've been paying attention at all the last six months, it's, it's pretty clear that Donald Trump's not going to do any of that. He's just become very like ho-hum um, – uh, by the books Republican boy and yeah. um, he's not even he's not even good at it because so many people still dislike him that he can't even get a lot of his agenda um, through Congress despite having the House and the Senate and well, thank why God. like I know yeah you know I don't I don't mean to be a liberal cuck or anything but uh, we don't no. need that we don't need all this stuff to go through yeah fair enough I mean I, <laughs> I'm in full agreement, but it's kind well, of amazing yeah, it, that I, I he has the most to... executive power that anyone has ever had, Absolutely, and he has the yeah. House and the Senate, and he can't fucking do anything. So and yeah. that's that's maybe a little more telling than um, than anything else. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm almost tempted to try to find like uh, a more recent thing from Alex Jones. I would, it would uh, oh god, I can't even. I don't want to say this out loud, but it might be interesting to have him back on the Joe Rogan <laughs> experience now just to see, just to check in. Mm-hmm. And Joe, he did a good job of like uh, corralling uh, Alex and the other guy, Johnny Bravo, Eddie Bravo. <laughs> Eddie Bravo. On the show. Oh my fucking god! So this is the thing: is like um, Joe Rogan is also a super wild dude, and he's into a lot of weird shit. But um, 
Alex Jones and Eddie Bravo do a very good job of making Joe Rogan seem like the most reasonable person ever. <laughs> like, by comparison, Joe Rogan seems like the only guy in the room that you could actually have a, a conversation with. And um, th- it's such a strange listen to, yeah. to be like three hours in and be like, Joe's actually being like totally chill about everything and everybody else is being a raving madman. <laughs> and, um, like at one point, uh, thing- Alex says, he, he calls... Uh, you know, various politician Renfields for psychic vampires. Oh my God. And, and a, Joe yeah. just blows straight by that. He doesn't stop to have him explain <laughs> that little thing. But luckily Alex comes back and uh, explains the reference for you later on. Yeah. Cause those of us that are, have never heard of Dracula don't know who <laughs> Renfield is or what's going on. And the, the best part is that he explains the reference, but not what psychic vampire means. That's right. my favorite part is that he's like, cause Renfield's the one who brings people to the, to Dracula, like yeah, well we know that, but that's not that just explains nothing about what you're talking about. And uh, I, my favorite part in that exchange was that Joe blows past it, and Eddie Eddie just is like yeah, like he he accepts it fully. He's just like yes, exactly, psychic vampires. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go. I'm good with this. Um, but I mean the thing about Eddie Bravo, what what you the maybe the um, the three things you should know about Eddie Bravo are that. Uh, one, he was like a super gifted martial artist before MMA really got popular. He was like a world champion jiu-jitsu fighter for a long time, and um, he was actually really, really good. Like, I think he invented a hold that people like still use to like submit people all the time and shit like that. So, like, mm-hmm. he really is the real deal when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, two is that uh, if you're if you're already got your your Google image search up and you're, you're checking out Alex Jones's um, like furry chest and steak eating pics. You should just go ahead and, and type in Eddie Bravo and um, look at the plethora of like bizarre um, soul patches and goatees that he's had over <laughs> over the years because they are um, a, a thing to behold. Like a man who has a chin but just constantly hides it with the most insane soul patches that you can ever imagine. And uh, three is that he loves conspiracy theories. So I think he, like he's friends with Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan loves MMA and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, um, the that he's a wild dude. Like Eddie Bravo fully buys into all sorts of crazy shit, and so I think. Joe was like giving Eddie a treat by introducing him to Alex Jones and letting <laughs> them just yell at each other for four hours at a time. Right. But um, it makes for a very strange dynamic. There, I mean, there are literally points in this podcast where Eddie and Alex are yelling just over everything, and Joe is trying to like rein it in. And Joe is normally the one who like has crazy opinions and wants to like argue about him. So, um, yeah, they they do a pretty good job of making Joe Rogan seem like a like a super reasonable, uh, well-adjusted person. <laughs> I'm glad you had some information about him because I had zero idea who Eddie Bravo was, and I don't think <laughs> they never like uh, introduced him in any way on the show. Like, uh, yeah, I think he's I Joe... think he's on a lot. Like, okay, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. I think he's I think he's friends. I think I think he's just buddies with Joe Rogan. So yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't know if he was like a comedy guy or an MMA guy or a conspiracy guy. Where where he even came from? Yeah, he was like I mean, um, a very gifted jujitsu fighter from what I from what I know about him. I don't know a whole lot about him, but um, the I I did know who he was like many years ago when MMA was kind of first becoming super popular in the states. Uh, 
I don't think he I don't think he did a lot of like MMA fights or whatever, but he was always one of those guys who were like MMA fighters would go to him for jujitsu training. Like someone would go, you know, learn uh, Krav Maga from somebody. Somebody would go here and learn like you know some karate technique or whatever. But he was like one of the jujitsu guys, um, like world famous. Like he really did win like twenty plus world tournaments. Like he he did of uh, world champions with his hold or whatever like he was a he was a deal in, in the world for a long time i don't know if he's still as relevant now but um it, it, it makes sense for the timeline because joe rogan was kind of early on in the mma and ultimate fighting scene so it seems like him and he and eddie kind of <clears throat> probably became friends a long time ago and just still hang out because they're both fucking weirdos how have you been liking your uh trump tax cut buddy oh boy Mm-hmm. All this extra money in our pockets. Um, yeah, well, I know that when I got my my one page uh, filing that said you win this year, um, <laughs> I was I was pretty excited about that. Um, like, you know, I, it it's a, just another thing that didn't happen that um, would have been interesting. I mean, I think if if any of those things actually had come true or happened, like people would. Um, be in favor of Trump, or a lot more people would, right? Like, yeah. if you, although I think you're a fool if you voted for Trump thinking that that tax cut was actually going to happen, <laughs> that he was going to be able to make that happen like immediately the way he, he said he would, because that's just not how government operates, even for someone like Trump. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's weird, but it's it, it's interesting to. I mean, it's it's always fun when you don't know what's going to happen to just you know hypothetically talk about how great. Uh, the new tax system is going to be when it's all torn down and rebuilt in favor of making like poor Americans have more money in their pocket. Yeah. Like sounds good, but um, you know, I hope nobody was holding their breath for that for real. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for all the billionaires though. Cause they've been taxed so heavily under Trump. Yeah. He yeah, actually increased the taxes for the rich people. Mm-hmm. That was his plan. I mean, he himself is paying more taxes, and you know it's hard on his kids because they're rich too from uh, from his money since he offloaded all of it onto them before he became president. But uh, you know, they're they understand that uh, taxes are for rich people, so they're they're doing their part to uh, help uh, the the American the American people. Trump actually wants uh, Americans to be wealthy. I've I've actually heard he kind of wants to just kind of make America great again. Yeah, that's. That is the rumor on the street. I've also heard that, so we must be we must be checking out some of the same sources. Yeah, it was funny how uh, Eddie Bravo had his had his own conspiracy theory stuff that he wanted to talk about, and then other stuff like aliens he didn't give a shit about, and he, he just wanted to talk about specific things like the chemtrails and stuff like that. Right. That's kind of. It, that goes back to kind of what I was saying, where it's like at a certain like you don't get to just pick the things you believe in with uh, with someone like Alex Jones because he believes that it is all one thing, um, and he's he's spent years and years connecting all the pieces. You know what I mean? Like he is definitely he definitely has a basement full of fucking like pins on uh, like cork board with like <laughs> strings between it. He's just like connecting dots that don't exist and. Um, 
I think Eddie is the kind of person who just wants to, like, he's only interested in, like, dinosaurs not being real and, like, flat earth theory <laughs> or whatever. And um, it's it's kind of funny to put him in a room with, like, someone who is equally as insane and believes, like, all sorts of insane conspiracy shit but doesn't believe the same conspiracies that he does because Alex Jones isn't, like, a flat earth guy and uh, he does think that dinosaurs are real. So. Yeah. That is fucking super satisfying to hear two insane people argue about um, things that aren't real while Joe Rogan tells them to just, like, calm it down. Yeah. You got to kind of wonder about a guy that's been so heavily concussed, though. Who who knows where this is coming from? Yeah, we're talking about a man who has certainly been choked unconscious multiple times and um, who has probably been kicked in the head, like, very hard on... um, like hundreds of occasions so i mean who knows what uh what eddie bravo really thinks i mean he's probably got some sort of cte going on that we won't know about until uh much later but um yeah i don't know i mean eddie bravo it's also kind of like joe rogan where they're just like they fully believe in like the mind opening capabilities of psychedelic drugs and shit too so he's probably like all of his weird beliefs have probably been um like made more concrete by weird drug usage and stuff like that. Yeah, they were also like uh, heavily drinking throughout the show, which drinking during a podcast, what the fuck? Come on, guys. Have a little professionalism. (laughs) Yeah, and they were also, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, a person like Alex Jones, who is like already on 10 all the fucking time and is looking for an excuse to like, rant and rave and get uh, super loud and angry all the time like to feed him whiskey is <laughs> kind of ir- irresponsible on a lot of levels um i think he also yeah, had some weed at some point and hopefully that mellowed him out a little i, I don't think it did i think <laughs> it, uh, i think they, they did get him high and drunk which is an interesting experiment but i think it probably only made him louder and more sweaty <laughs> Yeah. If I had to guess, those were the main uh, effects of their uh, their quite long podcast. Because four hours of drinking whiskey with Alex Jones sounds like a task in and of itself. Joe wants to do a new setup where he's outside in a, in a bonfire. <laughs> it sounded very uh, Todd Glassy to me. Yeah, I think that's the funniest thing is that... Um, two guys who both have insane long podcasts that don't that just kind of are like <laughs> mostly mostly just talking about anything um it would be really funny to um put them like to put alex jones and um todd glass in the same room and make them do like a 10-hour <laughs> podcast oh that'd but be amazing to have to have both their crews like with uh like, like both crews there and then have a bonfire and then have like the light setup that Todd has where like everything's always like candle lit and shit. And yeah. But it, but, um, Todd glass comes in with a tray of a uh, pop tart ice cream sandwiches. Exactly. Yeah. Just, I want to see all of the, I want all of this in one thing. Like just make it one giant fucking 10 hour video podcast where, <laughs> uh, everything is weird. Super, super weird. We're also like, bringing out goes, James Adomian on that episode. <laughs> Have them oh doing like uh, Tom Likas and stuff while they've got Alex Jones and Todd Glass. Oh my god, it would be uh, very satisfying. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, just the jingles <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my god, I would love user submitted jingles for uh, Joe Rogan and Alex Jones. <laughs> that's what, that's something <laughs> Joe's missing. He needs jingles. It's true. He doesn't have. I don't. There's. It's like 
there's there's no element of that in that show, right? I mean, I I don't listen. To, it's basically just this episode that I really um, looked through, but it seems like. Uh, or th- just this one episode that I really kind of listened to twice in a row uh, for this podcast. But um, Joe Rogan's podcast is pretty dry. It just kind of comes mm-hmm. in and goes out. There's no ad. There's none of that other stuff. Um, so that is kind of an interesting way to do it. And I know that I've I've like read about it where he like it's his setup is pretty. It's not dissimilar from Todd's. Like I think he has a pool table and it's like you just hang out. Like, mm-hmm. That's why it's four hours long. Is it's not like you come into a studio and record it and then go. You have like it's like basically a house or whatever. You can hang out. Yeah. Did you listen to it you on uh, YouTube or on the podcast app? I downloaded uh, I downloaded the episode to my phone so that I didn't have oh, to okay. use any data. Yeah, because uh, did you did you hear it with like the ton of ads at the beginning or did you just skip through that stuff? Uh, I didn't. I don't know if that was cut from, hmm. maybe that was cut from the episode file that I downloaded yeah. or maybe it was just like the first minute and a half of him reading ads that I skipped over or something. Okay. I, I kind of, yeah. Cause there's uh, like actually like a ton of ads at the beginning of it. If you listen to it, uh, if you download it from him or whatever, but like, then if you look at yeah, on YouTube, so- there's no ads there, but it's possible like an older file. Cause uh, We've had this in the in the works for a little while, and it's just been tough getting together. Yeah, that's mostly on mostly on me. You know what I mean? I'm I've been busy. Um, I mean, having a lot of tantric sex. Oh so, yeah, yeah, doing sting stuff because you're sting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I forgot about that for a minute. Hard. I forgot you were a sting for a minute. <laughs> yep, uh, sting from the police. Uh, <laughs> hard to. <laughs> Hard to find the time but, to record a podcast with it. Let me just say thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. I was happy to do it. I know that Alex Jones is also a big Blue Lives Matter guy, yeah. so I wanted, I wanted to be here to represent the police uh, <laughs> as much as I can. But yeah, it's it's hard to find time to record a podcast with your friend and spend two hours like recording when you know that you've got a seven-hour tantric sesh coming up. Oh, yeah. Gotta Plus, get prepared. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I gotta get the tarps out of the closet and get all the lube mixed and everything like that. Did you cheat and listen to this on your earbuds while you were fucking? No, I actually did it. Uh, <laughs> I, d- I don't have I don't have good enough earbuds for that. I, I like uh, to listen to most of most things on my Beats by Dre giant headphones, and, <laughs> and my wife would my wife would have caught me doing uh, that during. So I had to I had to squeeze it in over uh, some travel. Mostly, so that's always good that you can just kind of be in public uh, on a plane or, or or doing chores around the house and have someone like Alex Jones um, literally screaming into your <laughs> ear for several hours. Well, I think we talked about this about as much as we can. How about we get to uh, ratings? <laughs> Hell yeah. We all know podcasts are the best, so let's rate this show from 1 to 10. But don't go too low when you rate my friend, because then one to four wouldn't make much sense. It's Okay, I, 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 I never said whether this was a bad boys of podcasting app at the beginning or what i don't know what it is so i don't know usually we rate podcasts on one to ten one to ten scale where one is the worst and ten is the best but then i make people stick to an eight nine or ten scale uh however i don't care whatever you want to give it 
it's up to you. Um, and if you have anything else you wanted to say about it, go right ahead. It's what do you think, Sting? I was gonna. I think I would like to rate this on a scale of of one to ten, and one being uh, not globalist, and then ten being most globalist. And um, for me, this was. Uh, I think a two or a three. It's not not very much um, in the way of globalists. So uh, I like that um, someone like Alex is taking a, a hard stance against all the globalists. And um, I think even though he's wrong about Trump in a lot of ways, I think uh, having a platform where you are fighting against the power structure and spreading insane lies throughout the world that uh, are potentially very harmful for people is very much anti-globalist, so I'm going to give it a two, which is actually pretty good on my scale. Okay, I'm going to respect your scale, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it a two as well uh, on the glo- on the globalist scale. Um, I it, It's hard to praise Alex Jones because of like the Pizzagate stuff or the stuff where people take what he says too seriously. And, and they run with it and they do like dangerous things with it because I, uh, in a way, I kind of respect what he does. Like it, it's crazy, but it, I think it's cool to be crazy in a way. And it, it's cool to have these crazy, weird ideas. So long as you're not, you know, hurting anybody with it, who cares? Like it's fun that there are people out in this world that have these, these, these things wrong with their brain or whatever that makes them think this. <laughs> Uh, it, the only problem is that it, like it, it can be dangerous at times, like you were saying. And, uh, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt, uh, because of, uh, you know, me, be, me being, uh, patronizing in a way, but like, uh, being like, okay, yeah, it's, it's cute that these people think this way, but I, I don't like the dangerous aspects of, uh, the conspiracy outlet outlook, but in a way that I'm glad that there are people out there that are, that are doing this, this crazy, these crazy thoughts because it's funny to read it and to think about it and go, hmm, what, is that possible? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm even drunk anymore. But <laughs> it's, yeah, you you would need. I mean, you need a lot more whiskey to continue talking about this. I think. Um, <laughs> it's, um. I do think that if you listen to InfoWars all the time and you agree with Alex Jones on like every aspect of like his belief system, then there probably is something wrong with your brain. I mean, that's that's uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. So you gotta be <laughs> you gotta want it, I think, to to be deep into it. But um, yeah, as long as you don't take it seriously and you can stand four hours of Eddie Bravo and Alex Jones screaming. <laughs> Um, have at it, man. Number nine eleven, Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, like if you're listening to this, like this isn't. I guess this isn't an official rating of the Joe Rogan podcast, but it's just kind of a this episode because it is a very special episode. And and if you, I, if if this sounds interesting at all, what we said, uh, I think I'd probably put a clip or two in the middle there. If that seemed kind of kooky and interesting, go check it out. I mean, why not? The <laughs> There are, there are a couple of clips that you should check out, no mm-hmm. matter what. One is, I think, somewhere around an hour in, where uh, Alex Jones just screams, "Ah!" Like he just, I don't know what. It's not. It's just like in the middle of a sentence, he just screams, <laughs> and then um, at the end, 
we were talking about this before we recorded, but uh, there at some point Alex is like high enough and drunk enough to where he's just like telling Eddie to hit him as hard as he can, and he's just like hit me, hit me, Eddie, hit me as hard as he can. Hit me. Yeah, that and, was uh, that was very funny. Where he he wanted to get hit for some reason. Eddie Bravo is like, I guess now that I realize he's a big tough guy, that's funny that uh, he, Eddie kept saying, "No, I'm not gonna hit you. I'm not gonna hit you." And Joe was trying to get him to like stop, like uh, like he's minding a couple of toddlers or something. Yeah, you should definitely put that clip in because it's funny. You can kind of hear the like, like the little <laughs> like. I think Eddie just kind of like punches him on the shoulder like a child. And he's like, "No, I wasn't hard enough, hit me, Eddie." And it's like, uh, yeah. So uh, the thing, what's what's also interesting about Eddie Bravo is that he's like, he's not a super big dude. Like when you look at. If you look at pictures of him standing next to other fighters and stuff like that, he's like he's definitely on the smaller end of martial artists. So that's I think that's one thing that made him uh, more compelling and interesting as like a competitive fighter. But uh, yeah, he would definitely like I'm sure he could knock Alex Jones out if he wanted to. So uh, Alex demanding to be punched at the end of the podcast, like at four hours in, is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Especially if you listen to the whole thing leading up to it, and you can <laughs> just hear. How exhausted Joe is with the entire thing. He's just like, all right, please, please don't do that, please, yeah. guys. Uh, last um, question: How great was News Radio? <laughs> uh, uh, news Radio was um, pretty pretty great. That's a that's a ten on the regular scale. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and I would say that. Um, Wow, you know, if you uh, if you're a fan of Andy Dick <laughs> and uh, if Phil Hartman and Joe Rogan, then you gotta you gotta be into that news radio. If you haven't seen it in a while, you should really go back and look at the suits and just oh, the yeah. other clothes that people wore in that show because, much like Friends, it's kind of a study in '90s fashion. <laughs> and uh, good sweet God, it's amazing to see the way that people dressed yeah. back in the day. Well, especially because it was in like a workplace, so everybody was like in, you know, like business attire. Right. That's kind of one of that's one of the things that I always um, thought was hilarious about it was that so like um, so like I said like maybe the comparison of friends were like most of the time they're not at work, right? You're seeing these people and they're hanging out like in coffee shops or at their house and all this, so they can kind of wear whatever and they had more leeway with that kind of stuff. But when you're, when you're watching a show like news radio, where almost every scene in this sitcom takes place, um, in uh, what, what is supposed to be like an office inside of a radio station or whatever to see, um, some of the attire is quite astounding. Yeah. So, highly recommend. so if you're listening to this because you saw, we were talking about the Joe Rogan experience, we're a couple of fans, guys. You don't have to get mad at us. Love Joe Rogan. Yeah. In news radio. Especially, especially news radio. <laughs> I've never heard any of his comedy aside from that, so uh, it's hard to say, but yeah, he's yeah, a good guy. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I've, um, I don't know. I, I can't say, honestly, that I've ever listened to a whole Joe Rogan set. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you a single one of his jokes. I love the stuff you did with Carlos Mencia. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> everything that Carlos Mencia did is kind of legendary. Well, But especially his, uh, his, work, his work with Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show, Sting. 
any any time. I'm a, a big fan of uh, podcasts. Are wonderful, and it's it's great to be here uh, on one of your special episodes. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep looking out for people, protect and serve, all that. Uh, and thank you for listening, <laughs> folks. Bye, bye, people. Bye, bye.